Apart from you and beside you, there's none else. We worship you, we adore you, O eternal King, immortal, invisible. The only wise God, unto your name alone, be honor, power, glory, and dominion. Thank you, Father God, for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you, Father, for what you're about to release unto us. Thank you for the victory that's awaiting us even tonight. We embrace you, we thank you, we bless you, we bless your name because you are a great God. Thank you for your refreshing in your presence tonight. We honor and we praise your name, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. If you just take your seats. And good afternoon on this hot Georgia day. Amen. Thank God for Atlanta GA. Uh, so if you just go with me in your Bibles tonight to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. Let's just put a finishing touch. So the message we started over two weeks ago on the power of thanksgiving, Jesus and the power of thanksgiving. One or two things I did not mention in that service that I just want to drop with us tonight. Luke 17, verse 11. Can you close that up for me, please? Night happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was, clean, he was healed, returned and with a loud voice, glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet giving him thanks and he was a Samaritan so Jesus answered and said were there not ten cleansed but where are the nine were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner and he said to him arise go your way your faith has made you well I've said when I first did this message two weeks ago, that there is something significant that tips the, favor, tips the circumstance in your favor in and through the power of thanksgiving. There is something about giving thanks that causes doors that have been locked to open. There is something about thanksgiving that causes all the blessings that God has for you that have been locked up to be opened up. There is something about thanksgiving that causes a release of something new that you never have had before. And my prayer is that all of us will get to that place where we become men and women who are living in the lifestyle of continual thanks. When you look throughout the scriptures, it is unbelievable how many times the Bible commands thanksgiving. Now, remember, when we say command, we're not saying that you have to uh, command it in order to, uh, to receive salvation or anything like that. But once you're born again, God is trying to help me and you to understand what are the keys that unlocks certain doors. And one of those keys is the issue of thanksgiving. Now, we take that word thanksgiving, we, 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 we throw it around very loosely and not really giving 
plot to what we're saying when we talk about thanksgiving. But there's a reason for which Jesus is the Son of God. And we saw that beautifully last week when Pastor Nimini said about the Son of God. Uh, if you're not here, you need to, watch, you need to hear that on the, on the app. Jesus clearly is not just the Son of God, he's God. Amen. Amen? We saw that very beautifully. John chapter 5, John chapter 8, John chapter 10, John chapter 19, Zechariah chapter 12, and John chapter 20. <laughs> Time will not permit me to get into that state of the message, but Jesus is not only the Son of God, Jesus is God. Now, having said that, if Jesus, who is God, while he was on the earth, recognized the need for thanksgiving and practiced it, and we saw that in the scriptures, where he practiced thanksgiving, then that should be a pattern. It should be an example for all of us that there's something about this Thanksgiving that we need to key into. So let's just go to some scriptures tonight. Uh, let's go to the book of Psalms first. Psalms 106. Let me read a few of these scriptures. Psalms 106. Verse 1. I like the way Professor read the Bible for, John, for Neil last Sunday. Do you want to do it for me this time? <laughs> <laughs> Let's try it again. It worked last week. Maybe it work again this week. <laughs> Psalm 106. One, verse one. Yes. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Now, pay attention now, because you're going to find a recurring theme through, through the scriptures we are reading. I want to see if you're going to catch what that theme is. The recurring theme in every scripture we're going to read. I want you to pay attention and see if we're going to catch it. Read that one again, please. Praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Good. Go to chapter 107, verse 1. Again, remember there's a recurring theme. I want you to pay attention to see if you're going to catch it. 107 verse 1. Psalm 107 verse 1. Yes. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Okay, go to Psalms 118 verse 1. 118 verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Are you seeing the theme? Yes. Let's take one more scripture. First Chronicles chapter 16. First Chronicles 16, verse 34. First Chronicles 16. First Chronicles 16, verse 34. First Chronicles 16, verse 4. Verse 34. 34. Yes. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Okay, so stop now. We read, how many scriptures? Four. Four scriptures, one, two, three, four. Okay. What was the consistent recurring theme on all four scriptures? Thanksgiving and the, for the goodness okay. of the Lord. Okay, all right, all right. Let me, let me back up. Let me back up. Let me back up. Let me back up. So, Thanksgiving is the theme, okay? But what were the supporting reasons for the Thanksgiving in all four scriptures? Goodness of God. I can't hear you for that one time. <laughs> I know you guys are excellent students. I get it. I know that. You guys are Harvard trained. I get it. But, you know, I went to night school, so help me out. <laughs> one at a time. The first one? He is good. He is good. How about, how about, is that all? He is 
and his mercies endure forever. Don't miss that. So what God is saying to you and I is, the reason you give thanks is because you have come to the understanding that no matter what is happening around you, number one, he's good. Hey! Hallelujah. Number two, that his mercy endure it forever. In other words, in the situation you find yourself, you know you need mercy because things look bleak. They look dark. Things look hard. They look difficult. You are in distress. And when we're in those circumstances, there's a tendency for us to say, to think God's mercy is short-lived. There's a tendency your circumstance is talking to you so loud and so clearly. It's telling you, you're going to fail, you're not going to make it, you're going down, you're going to die, and on and on and on and all kinds of bad news. So God wants you to know, listen, by giving thanks, you are acknowledging its sovereignty. You are saying, God, I understand you are bigger than my circumstance. And while you are bigger than my circumstance, you are good. And while you are good, I also know your mercy endured forever. In other words, your mercy did not expire yesterday. Oh, that your mercy did not expire last month. It's good last month, it's good today, and it's going to be good tomorrow. God, you are good. That theme is all through scriptures. For the Lord is good and his mercies endure it forever. Look at Psalms 136. Psalms 136. Verse 1. For some reason, David starts that. That's, that's the first stanza of his song. <laughs> Psalms 136, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Amen. Amen. So you see, I, I, I just want to get that in you tonight. That no matter where we are, no matter where we find ourselves, number one is what? Is God. And number two is mercies endure forever. And if God is good, and we know he's good, because James came to tell us that every good gift and every perfect gift they come from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither the shadow of turning. So God is not going to change. Amen. Our politics change, but God remains the same. Amen. No matter what happens, God is constant. It's consistent. Amen? So now, there are some of us here, we are on the verge of a breakthrough. Amen. You are believing God for some things. Amen. You are knocking on some doors they've not opened. And you're wondering, will the door ever open? Will the breakthrough ever come? I want to assure you tonight that the answer is a resounding yes. Amen. The answer is a resounding yes and amen. And I'm trying to get across to you tonight how to get that door open and how to see the manifestation of that which you're trusting for. With the backdrop of knowing that God is good and that his mercies endure forever, so you will not always leave off somebody else's testimony. Amen. Ah, God was good to Brother Kunle. Oh, God was good to Brother Sam. God was good to Brother Bright. 
when will it be good to me? Uh-uh. God is going to be good to you because his mercy endured forever. It's not just for them, it's for all of us. This is the reason that Paul, in the book of Philippians and Colossians, let's go to Philippians chapter 4. If you read Philippians 4 for me, please. Verse 6. Philippians 4, 6. Don't. Be anxious for nothing. What, what does it mean to be anxious? Worried, concerned. Exactly. Isn't that amazing? Now, let, let's take a poll here. How many of us have ever worried? <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> but Paul commands us. He said, be anxious for nothing. Another scripture says, be careful for nothing. Now, what that means, what that means is you are not just going to find yourself in a place where not worrying is automatic. Because notice what they say, be. So, so the onus is on me. That's why I say, be careful for nothing. So I have to do something to, 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 to walk in what he just said. Do you understand what I mean? I'm not sure if you, did you guys get that? It just, it it, it did not just say anxious for nothing. It said B. B means you have to make a decision. He's implying there will be circumstance, there will be situations, there will be things that will happen that will want to rob you of your peace. Trials will come. Tribulations will come. Persecution, for sure. You're not going to stop those. You have no control over what comes at you. The only thing you can control is what, how you respond to it. Do you understand that? Yes, sir. You can't stop a man from robbing the bank. You can't do that. You can't stop a man from trying to get into a terrorist act. You can do that. You can't stop anyone from trying to rip you off. But what you can do is control how you respond to the situation. And that's why he's saying, he's saying, be careful for nothing. It is a decision that you and I must make on a, not just on a daily basis, on a constant, regular basis. Somebody calls you off the phone, and they they, they just go off on you over the phone. You have a choice. You have a choice. You can live and respond to them as a victim, or you can respond to them as a victor. Choice is ours. So Paul says, be careful for nothing. Now, let let me make sure I qualify what I just said. I'm not saying that people will run short over you, and that you should just lay there and let them run over you. That's not what I said. There is a way in which you can respond to someone who is coming at you without you losing your peace. And it will be clear that you've not lost your peace. Amen? Amen. So it says to us, be careful. It's a command. I'm commanding you, make the decision to be careful for nothing. Please read on, sir. Philippians 4.6. But in everything, 
Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. In how many things? Everything. Ah, are you sure? Everything. Only some things. Everything. In everything. In everything. See, this, this, we forget this little stuff when things happen. Somebody just run to you from behind and run into your, what? Q8 is coming out this year. How do you key it, okay? Hey, Pierre, how are you? <laughs> Somebody just runs in your car. Are you going to be careful for nothing? Or are you going to thank God he didn't kill me? Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, sir. A car can always be replaced. But your life can't. So find some redeemable situation in the circumstance and give thanks for it. So it says in everything, good or bad. Go ahead, sir. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Ah, there we go. So now it says prayer and supplication. But it didn't end there. With thanksgiving. Why do you think he said that? Let's take a break. Tell me, why? He told us to pray. He told us to supplicate. But he said your prayer or your supplication is not complete without thanksgiving. Why? Because of the confidence that we have that he heard us. Very good. Very good. How do I display that confidence in prayer? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. How does Thanksgiving validate that confidence? We already give the answer with, with, with death with the answer at the beginning. How does Thanksgiving validate my confidence? Exactly. Exactly. So, so what we are dealing with is something that should become almost like second nature to us, like a default. That's what we're going through right now. I pray, I supplicate with thanksgiving. Why? Because thanksgiving demonstrates my confidence. Why am I confident? Because God is good and his mercy endures forever. Simple as that. Over and over and over and over and over. I'm saying to God, in spite of what I'm saying, in spite of everything that's going on around me, I thank you. So God is saying, ah, yeah, okay, now you get it. You know, you know I'm in control. You're not in control. I'm in control. Because when you're giving thanks, your eyes are off of yourself and your eyes are on God. Very, very important. Read Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. No, 3, verse 15. Colossians 3, 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Amen. And be thankful. One more. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Continue earnestly in prayer, mm -hmm. being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Amen. Do you see how many times... This word keeps on coming at us. Both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Be vigilant in your prayer. But with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. You and I know that even in the natural, 
anyone you do any good for that gives thanks, you are motivated to want to do it again. What's the opposite of that? <laughs> you do something for them, they don't give thanks. In the natural, you are inclined not to repeat it. You are inclined not to repeat it. You say, this is an ingrate. And the truth of the matter is, in the end times, the Bible tells us people will be unthankful. You want me to show it to you? Third Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. And then we're going to wrap this up. Third, three. Oh, I'm sorry. Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 3. <laughs> Thank you very much. Second Timothy chapter 3. Actually, start from verse 1. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. <laughs> Amen. No, that's good enough. That's good enough. Okay, so let's just go to one example tonight, one last example from the scriptures, and then we're going to pray and go, of, of how the power of thanksgiving delivered a human being who otherwise was not deserving. Many of us know the story of Jonah. Jonah. In chapter 1 of the book of Jonah, I'm not going to read the verses because of time, but I'll just paraphrase them. Chapter 1 of Jonah, God tells Jonah, a prophet of God, which is symbolic of the fact that he had a relationship with God. He tells him to go to Nineveh, because Nineveh's sin has come up before God, and God will have to destroy them if they do not change. Well, Jonah didn't like Nineveh. It's not this nice holiday spot. He would rather go to Hawaii or to somewhere like that. And so he decided to bluntly obey God. Rather than go to Nineveh, he gets on a ship on his way to Tashish, away from where God wants him. And I want to remind us, I know we look at that, we say, man, this guy, how can he so bluntly, blatantly disobey God? Do we not do that? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. But in spite of that, he got on the ship, he paid his fare, and of course, God in his mercy sends a terrible storm into the ship. I mean, the turbulence on his ship was so unbearable. The other passengers said, wait a minute, something's going on here. This is not normal. And they began to uh, call on their gods, so to speak. And finally, the sojourner, sleeping in the middle of the storm. Ah, uh ah. -uh. <laughs> Did you take MBM? What you, what's, what's your problem? <laughs> and they came to find out, at the end of the day, that Jonah was a disobedient guy running away from God. And those guys had enough sense to say, you know what? You are the problem. We're going to throw you overboard. 
No, actually, Jonah told them to, to do that, to throw him overboard so that the problems would be gone. But this is the point. Let's pick it up from John chapter 1, verse, uh, verse 16. John chapter, um, I said John, Jonah chapter 1. Yeah, verse 16. Lord exceedingly, mm-hmm. and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now, these were not men that had experience with God, but they just did what they knew to do because they were trying to appease the situation, okay? Now, chapter 2, verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly, and he said, I cried out to the oh, Lord. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Verse 17. Jonah 117. 117. Yeah, we missed that. 117. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This point is very important. Because sometimes we blow it, we miss it, we sin. We offend God, and the enemy will want you to know and to really put you in the depressive guilt trip until you are not able to look up to God any longer. Jonah is a clear example of a man or a woman who was in disobedience, is thrown overboard into the sea, and what did God do in verse 17, chapter 1? Ah, bad guys, we just read it. It's in the fish. It's in the fish. It's in the fish. Now, don't try that at home. Don't jump in the river and think of it's in the fish. You may become food for the shark. <laughs> don't try that at home. But this is the point I'm making. Now, what I'm about to say, I'm not saying that so you can go and do things that's wrong and be insane and be wicked and evil. You do that, there are consequences. You must understand that there are serious consequences. But the point I'm making is this. Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 6 says, where sin abounds. When the fish was sent, was dispatched to go pick up Jonah, did Jonah ask for the fish? That is a clear demonstration of God's grace. He was undeserving. He didn't earn or merit being rescued. Because he was in a direct rebellion to God's instruction. So what I'm saying to you is, even when you miss God, he does not give the enemy any right to your life. He doesn't. And you have to know that. Now, like I said to you, there are consequences. We do not know how long it took for the fish to find Jonah. <laughs> we do not know how many gallons of <laughs> water <laughs> he has swallowed. The agony. I would not want to be in that situation at all. Even if, we, even if, a, if a submarine was coming to get me. <laughs> but God sent a rescue. And then in chapter 2, verse 1, he began to pray. Please, let's pay attention to his prayer. Then Jonah, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly. And he said, 
I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters surrounded me even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you brought me up my life from the pit. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit. Oh Lord my God. Just pause there. Just pause. Just pause. Did you follow this man's story? Has anything close to this happened to any of us here? Is there anyone here that's had weeds tied around his neck? Your life ebbing away. You are in the midst of the seas. And on and on and on and on. I don't want you to miss the point. Because the fish swallowed Jonah and picked him up. Notice how the mercy of God triggered the prayer in him. Did you hear what I just said? Because he recognized all of a sudden that, wait a minute, even though I'm not, I don't like the inside of the whale or the fish, but at least I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not drowning any longer. And immediately, it triggers something in him. So what I'm saying to us is, every goodness of God in your life, no matter how small, when you recognize that God has done something, he's moved in your life in some way, no matter how small it is, let that small thing trigger in you a sacrifice of praise unto him. Amen. That's what happened to Jonah. And what's happened is one thing led to the next, one thing led to the next, giving God testimony, this happened, this happened, this happened, and you lifted my life out of the pit. Continue, sir. Watch. My, my soul, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. Okay, hold on right there. Those who regard worthless idols. What is a worthless idol? A worthless idol is anything we cry unto or look unto that cannot deliver us. They're worthless. Anything. Your bank account. Your car. Your agility, your degrees, your Gucci paws. Thank you, man. <laughs> Whatever you can on to think, ah, as long as I have this, I'll, I'll be all right. Do you know what I say? It's a worthless idol. Anything that we place in the place where God ought to be is an idol. Anything we rely on and think, ah, Man, I got this in my back pocket. You know, worthless. He realized that. Now go on. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Ah, do you see what Paul has been telling us? You pray, 
You supplicate with thanksgiving, and then there'll be a manifestation? We just saw it now. Jonah is prayed from verse 2 on down. He said, I will sacrifice with a voice of thanksgiving. What happened next? The next verse. So the Lord spoke to the fish. Ah! Read the whole verse. And it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Did you see that? What was the capstone of his deliverance? Thanksgiving. 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 Yes, the deliverance was promised. That's the reason for which the fish went to fetch him. But had he not finished that prayer in Thanksgiving, the fish would just be, it would take another detour. It would be like Disney World, Sea World. Let's, let's go do some. He'd just be swimming in the water. But when he offered the voice of Thanksgiving, God said, now, yes, okay, this prayer is complete now. Deliver him. You have something, yes. I want to ask a question. I'm sorry. Yes, no, no, no. There's nothing to say about. I, even when we know some of these scriptures. Yes. Through honestly being human. The challenge is in when you know you have been doing this for a while. The thing is still looking far off. And if you compare, it's happening here, it's happening here. <laughs> Why is my own taking much longer than it ought to? And then you are still doing the Thanksgiving. Sometimes you may be but you are still there. So that is actually, I don't know how you can help us when we are in that situation. You are thanking God, you know, I, I mean consistently. You believe God, you thank God, you are doing that which you know. But this thing still looks like, especially yeah. situation where you know you've heard clearly, maybe there's been a word given to you, the word has already some other, from different, different, you can be sure, yeah. this is from the Lord. Yes. God spoke this to me. Yes. This has been validated. I know it. Yes. But you keep thanking God, and then it's still looking like. Yeah. Yeah. Did you hear the pundits? They've answered your. <laughs> One factor is timing. That's critical. And it is important for you to continue to sow that seed of thanksgiving so that when that time comes, there will be no further delay. That's number one. Number two, even though God speaks to us, we must also understand we need to find out how. God telling me X, Y, Z will happen is one thing. But how will it happen is a different thing. And the reason God withholds giving you the full information at one time is because he wants you to keep on coming back. Do you understand what I just said? So if he told you the whole details from A to Z today, you won't come back tomorrow. But the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered. So you thank him for what you received. And any area of that promise or word that is not clear is another area subject for prayer. Until it brings clarity. And you get that clarity, you thank him again, and then you are thanking for, and then, so, so it's like a building block. Building block. When he gave Moses the instruction for the tabernacle, he didn't give it out in one day. He just he gave it to him in time. He told Abraham, "Leave. I'll make you a great, a great, uh, a great nation." He didn't tell him where. But the point is, Abraham, would you pack up? Would you start packing without knowing the destination? 
So, 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 so the, the, the journey with God is a faith journey, number one. But more importantly, is God is looking for an intimate relational journey. He just doesn't want to give me a roadmap now and hands off. No, God is not Google. He was already anointed as yes. a king, but yes. it took time. It Absolutely. didn't happen immediately. It took so time. God may be preparing us so that when that blessing comes, we will be able to be ready appreciate for it. it and live for it. Yes. The time element is in his hand. The time element is in his hand. However, we just don't sit and pack idle because we are waiting on his time. Whatever instructions or whatever we can do while we are waiting on him, we still keep on doing that. And then when the time comes, you will know. You absolutely know it. Any other question? And then we need to wrap it up and close. Or comments? But you guys understand the role of Thanksgiving? Oh, you Pierre had something. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, um, in, in light of what he was, uh, Brother Joseph was saying, we also need to be able to dissociate our wants and what God is telling us that he wants to do for us. So because sometimes we know that, okay, I want to do this thing, Correct. but it's not happening. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you have heard from God that that's what he wants to do for you. So I think there's a little bit of a difference there. So. Correct. And, and, and even that will come from experience. And that experience comes from, from walking with God so long and missing it. And I, just like a child, an infant, they're crawling, and then they get up and start walking. They just, they just don't get up and walk, and just start walking on one day. They walk and fall. But they don't because fall, never try to walk again. And that's where we are. The more you exercise your faith and your hearing ability, the more you become uh, attuned to how God moves and uh, what God is saying, and you get provision in that, in, in, in that particular thing. Yes, sir. Uh, when he, he was make, making his presentation, he talked of uh, difficulty when it is happening there yeah. and happening the other side, but I have not reached you. Yes. One of the problems we have is uh, comparing ourselves with another person. God does not speak to multitude. He speaks to in, in, individuals. And one of the errors Israel made is telling God, give us a king yes. as other nations. nations. If I, I don't want God to bless me the way he blessed another person, he should bless me the way he wants to bless my life. Amen. Amen. It's true. It's true. It's just as, as human beings, we come together in a community. I see Pierre drive up in his nice Audi. I see my brother in his Porsche Cayenne. And I'm saying, man, I, 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 need, I need to do something. I'm going to go with Genesis G90. You know? So, so, so we, we just need to be careful. That's where recognizing our identity in Christ comes in. You settle that. You settle that. And then you begin to build on that. Amen? Let's pray so we can be released. Praise God. Father, we want to just bless your name tonight. 
we acknowledge that you are good. And we acknowledge that your mercy endures forever. You say we should be careful for nothing. But that in everything, we pray and supplication with thanksgiving, we should make our request known unto you. Lord, we are in various places and positions, even right now as I speak. We are seeking, searching, looking for different things in different areas of our lives. But you are the only one that can deliver. And you are the only one that we are looking unto tonight. Your word says, we should look unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now sitting at the right hand of your throne. And so, Father, tonight, we look at the joy that set before us. The joy of victory. The joy of breakthrough. The joy of progress. The joy of stability. The joy of healthiness. The joy of prosperity. The joy of mending relationships. The joy of knowing that we belong to your kingdom. We thank you for that joy tonight. And Father God, in spite of what comes against us, we are not deterred. We stand firm. We speak to our minds. that We say that we have the mind of Christ. And therefore, peace be still. And so Father God, we thank you. We bless your name that in due season, the answers will come. The door will open. Their progress will be evident. The deliverance will be made sure. In the name of Jesus, we bless your name. We thank you, Father God. We honor you because we know you are a great and mighty one. And you are a great deliverer. We are totally, completely assured that you have daily loaded us with benefits. We embrace your benefits tonight. We thank you for the power of your spirit that is keeping us. Thank you, Father God. As we continue to seek you, to ask you, and to knock on your doors, we thank you for open heavens and the manifestation of the things that we ask because we have rendered our prayers with thanksgiving and we are trusting you that if you did it once, you can do it again. And so, Father, thank you that you will not fail because you are not a failure. It is impossible for you to fail. And so we receive with thanksgiving. We bless your name now. Thank you, Father God, for your people as they go home. Watch over them. Keep them. Bless them. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God.